Um, well, I want to I want to talk to you guys today about love, about love, and um, Pastor Brad has been on a series the last few weeks about love. And he's been talking about what love is, and he's talked about how as Christ followers, how we are to show love, and the different areas we are to show love. And um, Pastor Brad, uh, he, last week, if you, if you didn't notice, he, he had one point. He had his message was one point, and he said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share the next you know, two points, or two and three next time. And so I texted him whenever you know, we were getting ready for this message. And he's listening right now, and, and bless you, Pastor Brad, thank you. And uh, he, I said, well, so you want me, what are your points, two and three, because I'm, I'm going to share them. And he's like, oh, no, you don't have to do that. You just share whatever you want. I'll, I'll share my points whenever I come back. I'm like, okay. So, uh, so he, Pastor Brad was talking about points uh, about how, how uh, we love people and how we, uh, how we love God and love people through uh, the giving and through the different things that, that uh, we do to show our love to people uh, because Christ lives in us. And uh, loving people is hard. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? And, uh, and you know, I'm the youth pastor, so I have a certain uh, reputation to, as a youth pastor. Not me personally, I hope. But as youth pastors, you know, we just are, you know, just lazy and, you know, whatever. Uh, so, so I don't want to hit you guys with something too hard about loving people. I want to just talk about loving God today, which is so much easier, right? Uh, so, so we're going we're gonna to move and we're going to talk about loving God a little bit today. So what I want to ask you uh, to start out as a simple question. How many of you guys love Jesus? If you love Jesus, just raise your hand. If you, if you love Jesus, just raise your hand. That's awesome. You see, we got a whole group of people here that love Jesus. That's awesome. I'm so excited. This is great. And we're done. All right? Heavenly Father, we just thank you. Uh, no, it's not how it works, right? Because raising your hand in a church service isn't necessarily loving Jesus, right? It doesn't, that, that's not, this isn't loving Jesus. When I say, hey, I love Jesus, that's not loving Jesus, right? I mean, that's a great thing, and we can all do it, and it's easy to do that, right? But Jesus is the Son of God. He is the perfect Son of God. He saved you. He, he set you free. He healed you. He restored your life. It's so easy to love God, right? I mean, he, he's God. He is God in the flesh, and, and, and it's so easy to say, yeah, I, I love God. I love God. But what does loving God really look like? What, do you, what is loving God? And let's talk about that this morning. It says in our first verse in Matthew 22, verse 37, Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. You see, basically, Jesus is talking, this is, this is the Pharisees and the Sadducees are arguing with Jesus about what is the greatest commandment. And, and Jesus said, well, this is the greatest commandment, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, to give him everything you have, to love God with, the, with, with everything that's in your being, everything that's in your heart and in your life, to love God with everything you have. And you may, you may say, well, well I've been, I was raised in church, right? We have a bunch of people that were probably raised in church, youth, youth uh, students that were raised in church, um, parents and, 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 and grandparents that were raised in church for, for generations. We've, we've been raised in church. And I can say, yeah, I was raised in church. I wasn't raised in church, so I, 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 didn't, uh, I, was, I didn't come to church until I was like 20 years old, and uh, it took me about until 22 to actually um, 
actually submit to going to church and, and actually like live the life that I was supposed to live. But I wasn't, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't raised in church like a lot of us were, are raised in church. And it's easy to say, I love Jesus. I go to church. I was raised in church and I do all the right things. I, I uh, pray before every meal. I, um, well, I don't, I don't cuss, you know, or I say dadgummit, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, uh, you know, or, uh, I don't, uh, smoke or I don't drink or, or, uh, I don't watch those shows or, or listen to that music. And, and whenever I go to church, um, you know, I go to church and I clap during the worship songs and I lift my hands because if you lift your hands, it means you really love Jesus. So I lift my hands during the worship songs and you can, you, you can say all these things about what we do and what we don't do um, when it comes to, I love Jesus and I go to church. You know, I think, I think one thing that stands out to me, let me tell you a little story about, about uh, kind of do's and don'ts of, in the church world. Um, I remember it was a few years ago. We had, uh, does anybody remember, remember Pastor Ray, our superintendent, uh, that has come and preached here a few times? Uh, Pastor Ray is, uh, is our district superintendent, and I remember the last time Pastor Brad, it, might, it probably wasn't the last time, it was a few times ago, Pastor Brad and Beth went on a vacation, and Pastor Ray came to fill in. And at the same time, our uh, sound man, Chris Kraus, was out of town. Uh, he had something going on, and he was out of town, and Pastor Brad and Beth were out of town, and Chris Kraus was the only sound man at the time. And a few years ago, back in the day, when we were at uh, Francis Howell High School Auditorium, I was the actually only sound man that we had. I was doing it every single week. And uh, Chris Krause came on, and I'm like, man, bless you. Thank you so much for, for, uh, for serving. And now I can just, you know, do what youth pastors do during the service, which is everything else. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, uh, you know, they mop the floor during the snowy Sunday when everybody is in, everybody's sitting here listening to Pastor Brad, and the youth pastor's out there mopping the floor. You know what I'm saying? But... But I mean, uh, I, Chris Cross was gone, Pastor Brad and Beth were gone, Pastor Josh is leading worship, Pastor Ray is preaching, and um, there was like this, this moment in the, in the service, and, and now we, we, we know Pastor Josh can play and he can pray at the same time, and it's awesome, and thank you, Pastor Josh, for being able to play and pray, it's great. And, and I don't know what was going on, but I was like, there's this dead spot in the service where there's, no, there's a transition where, you know, we have to go from worship to, um, to kind of dismissing the kids or doing whatever we do. And so I'm like, well, I have to go up and, and do that. And I'm at the sound booth. So I'm like, okay, I got to come up and, and do that. And uh, I come up and I, and I kind of just bless the congregation. And I pray for God to move in. You know what I'm saying? The spirit is coming down. It was just incredibly anointed. And I'm praying. And, I, you know, I'm saying, thank you, Jesus, for these people. And, you know, and, and we just thank you for this time. And, you know, and I say, amen. And, and, I, and, I, and I said, you know, hey, shake hands, hug a neck. You know, we'll be back up in a second. And I walk back. I get back to the sound booth. I'm doing my thing. I was running the stream, too. And I get a text, like five texts in a row. And I'm like, what's going on? And, like, and I looked at my phone, and it was, it was Pastor Beth. And she said, what are you wearing? And I'm like, what? I mean, it's summer, right? It was summertime. And uh, I had my flip-flops on, right? Because they were nice leather flip-flops, my dress flip-flops, okay? So I had my, my, my leather flip-flops on, and I had khaki shorts, okay? They're khaki. They weren't like board shorts or anything. They're khaki shorts. And uh, I had a polo shirt on. And I mean, because 
polo shirt. You know, you got a polo shirt. I, I was dressing up for church. Uh, that's what I was doing. And I was thinking to myself, oh, I'm going to be in the sound booth. Nobody's going to see me. So it wasn't a big deal, right? Well, I didn't realize that I had, you know, come up and they saw me. And so now it's a running joke at the church uh, that I cannot, um, you know, come up in shorts and nobody's allowed to wear shorts on Sunday morning anymore as a staff. And, and uh, it's all because of me. And uh, so, um, but why am I talking about this? Because because I think there's this thing that goes on whenever we say we love God. Well, we have to do certain things, right? We have to look a certain way. Um, even I had a couple things happen to me today already. Um, uh, you know, before I, got, I get here, and uh, everybody's seen Pastor Brad's beautiful pictures of Hawaii. And, uh, and, and so I come in, and, and my neighbor David comes up to me. And he says, so you're preaching today? And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm preaching today. And uh, he looks at me. And he's like, I'm wearing Toms. And I'm like, yeah, I'm wearing, I'm wearing Toms. They, they cover my feet. You know what I'm saying? I'm not wearing flip-flops, right? I'm like, yeah. I'm kind of, and he's like, hmm, uh-huh. Uh, you know, and he's giving me a look, look down and up. And I'm like, he's like, yeah, you look like you could be preaching to a bunch of teenagers. I'm like, well, yeah, I'm, I'm a youth pastor. You know, I'm a youth pastor. I'm cool. You know, I got to be hip and trendy, you know. Um, but, but, you know, and, and I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, this is fine. I, I, you know, and I told him the story about how Gloria, you know, or how Beth got me about the flip-flops and all that stuff. Well, I come in and just for the second service, and, and Gloria comes up to me, right? It's really quick, nonchalant, and she just gave me a look up to down. She's like, okay. She said, okay. See? So Gloria approved. David didn't. So there's a, there's a big, vast difference here. I, I don't know if Gloria completely approved, but she is approved enough to where it's okay. I can preach in this, right? I put a sports jacket on because I didn't want to have to iron a button-down shirt. You know what I'm saying? So there's, there's things that we do. But, but it, seriously, I, you know, I'm going on. I'm having fun about this. But you see... As Christ followers, we think that, that loving Jesus is doing certain things, wearing certain things, acting a certain way, a list of do's and don'ts. And those lists and, and the way that we look at those things can be quickly seen as, as what we like to call legalism, right? And how, how we're so legalistic about how, you know, we can't do this, we can't do this, we have to do this, we have to wear this. And, and, and we, we, we live this life like it's, a, like it's a legal, like everything has to be done a certain way. Well, it says in Matthew 5.18, I don't have this verse up there for John, but it says in Matthew 5.18 that, that Jesus is talking to his disciples about the religious crowd of the day, and he says, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And Jesus is, he's saying, you know what, they, they say all these things, they do all these certain things, but they don't really love me, right? They raise their hand, but do they really love me? Do they, really, do they really do it? And, and we can have all these, these things that we do, and, and, and David can think that I, I am not necessarily honoring the Lord with the way I look, but does that mean that, that I don't love Jesus? I mean, only you can be the judge of that, right? <laughs> uh, but, but here's the thing is, guys, is, is legalism came out because, because we had to say we have to do these certain things in order to love God. So legalism is legalism because people fell out of love with Christ, so they had to make a list. They, they didn't really love them with their hearts, so they had to say, we have to do these certain things so it makes it look like we love God. So legalism is legalism because people fell out of love for God. Why do I not drink or smoke? It's because I, I'm a Christ follower. Because I do these things I do because I love him. Now, does that mean that David doesn't love Jesus because he doesn't love Tom's? No, that's not what that means, right? Because, because there is something to say about honoring God. 
and being respectful to him and honoring him with how we dress and how we act and how we, how we, we do certain things. So that's nothing wrong with that. I know David. I know he's got a great heart for the Lord. I mean, he even comes over and mows my yard whenever the grass gets up too high. I mean, bless him. You know what I'm saying? Thank you, Jesus. So I know, I know David loves the Lord, so I'm not accusing him of those things. But it's like, guys, we have to remember where's our heart at, Right? And we have to remember that legalism is legalism because people fell out of love for God. And if I really love God, I do the things I do out of love for him. I, do the thing, I don't do the things I don't do out of love for God. You know, I, I, I don't um, drink uh, because I, I, I love God and I don't, want to, I don't want to do something I'll regret. And I don't want to do something that'll, that'll turn people away from God. And I want to show people the love of Christ and say that, man, man you don't need to do this in order to, to uh, be filled with, uh, with, with joy and with, uh, with this, with, with, yeah, be filled with joy. You can, you can actually be filled with the Spirit of God and be filled with joy and all those different things. So I don't do what I don't do because of my love for God. I do what I do out of my love for God. So <clears throat> we need to do what we do out of a position of loving Christ. A position of loving Christ. In everything we do, we love Christ from a position of, of loving Him. The things we do in this life out of a position for loving Christ. So um, if, you, if you don't know me, I have two, two wonderful children. Um, I have a six-year-old son, his name's Carter, and a two-year-old daughter, uh, her name is Reese, and uh, my wonderful wife, Melissa, and th- my home got the uh, influenza bug this week. So they are actually uh, recovering. They're actually, I think they're completely good today, but you have to give them that 24-hour period where, you know, you're uh, fever-free so that it doesn't, you know, spread. Uh, and Melissa works in the nursery all the time, and Holly's back there, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it, Holly. I'm going to do it. I'm going to give you guys a plug. We don't want your sick kids in the back, okay? <laughs> okay? Be, you know, because it just spreads, and guess who gets it all the time? The staff children get it all the time, because they're in both services just licking toys all the time. No, but <laughs> anyway... <laughs> no, that's just Reese does that, actually. Never mind. But anyway, I have two wonderful children, and, and uh, you know, they're at home. They're actually, I think my wife is watching the live stream, and she's going to probably tell me how awesome I am because I told everybody not to bring their sick kids to church. So score. I got some points there. Uh, but anyway, um, you see, where was I going? I have two kids. They're completely opposite, completely opposite. Whenever you have children, I don't know if, if people, you had this idea or people, th- you think that about these things, but I remember I'm like, oh, I'm having a boy. It's going to be awesome, and he's going to jump up. He's going to swing like Tarzan around the house, and it's going to be great, and he's going to run and jump. He's going to be so awesome. So I had my son, and, and you know, he does, he's an athletic guy. We play baseball. We do all those things. It's awesome, but he's pretty calm. He's a calm, he's a calm young man. Uh, he asks questions all the time. So it's like the questions I just want to beat myself over the head with. I'm like, but you know, I just, you know, all those things that your parents say they'll never do, you know, because I said so is one. Like, I, you know, I say that one all the time. You do what I say because I said it. I said it and you're going to do it. But anyway, I mean, he asks questions all the time, but he's a calm guy. He's relatively calm. He's always, he's always following me. He's always next to me. He's always jumping on me and all those different things. And, and, and so he's always right up on me and he's calm. Reese is the complete opposite. Reese is the young lady who you think Reese is going to be, she's your daughter, she's your, your youngest girl, so she's going to be calm, and she's going to be, she's going to be a daddy's girl, and she's going to want to hold daddy and all these different things. Well, I didn't get that one yet. Uh, Reese is a, she's a runner aware, okay? She's like, daddy! 
runs straight to mom. You know what I'm saying? I mean, she, she screams. She's like, yeah. I mean, she's just, I mean, and this is the thing. She, we named her Reese, and I don't know if you knew this or not. Reese means passionate and enthusiastic. So we actually named her passionate and enthusiastic. And who would have thought it? that it's actually coming out the way we named her because she is extremely passionate and enthusiastic and we're hoping to just curve this passion and enthusiasm to Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Um, she prays. She, 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 you should hear her pray. She's awesome. But, but anyway, she runs the other direction. Carter is on top of me and there, there's two different ways of, of, that they follow me, that, they're, that, they, that they follow their father, right? And today we're talking about loving God and being, in, and being in a position of loving Christ. And Carter, the way he loves Christ, isn't right on top of me. Reese is kind of farther away. She's away from me. So there's different, different ways. So what I want to do is I want to tell you a story in the Bible. And as we read the story and as I tell the story, and, and we're going to talk about a couple different positions in this story. So um, in, the, in the New Testament, Judas betrayed Jesus with his lips. And, and, you know, if, just here's a little freebie. He, he betrayed Judas with his lips. And we kind of read earlier, I, I shared a verse where uh, God said that, that you, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And I just think it's funny in that moment where Jesus, it says in the Bible that Judas betrayed Jesus with his lips, uh, but yet his heart wasn't obviously with Jesus or else he wouldn't, have, he wouldn't have betrayed Jesus. I don't know. Just think about that one. I'm moving on. So Judas betrayed Jesus. And, and um, <clears throat> Jesus gets arrested, and he goes to the high priest's house to be put on trial, uh, like a pre-trial, before, the, uh, before the, the whole shenanigan where they pass him on back and forth between uh, the, the Roman governor and, uh, and, and, the, and the, the high priest and so on and so forth. So it's like the pre-trial, the first one. And Jesus is being brought to the high priest's house and he's got two of his disciples with him. He's got Peter and John are with, are with Jesus. And they, and they go into the high priest's house. And, and they're, on this, they're ready for this pre-trial trial, okay? So let's check this out. Let's pick this up in, in uh, John, Luke, Luke 22. Luke 22, verses 54 through 62. Having arrested him, having arrested Jesus, they led him and brought him into the high priest's house. But Peter followed at a distance. Now when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat among them and a certain servant girl, seeing him as he sat by the fire, looked intently at him and said, this man was also with him. But he denied him saying, woman, I do not know him. And after a little while, another saw him and said, you also are, of, are one of them, are, are of them. But Peter said, man, I am not. Then after about an hour had passed, another confidently affirmed, saying, Surely this fellow also was with him, for he is a Galilean. But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you are saying. Immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed, and the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said to him, Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So Peter went out and wept bitterly. So we read this story. And we see the different things that are going on here. And, and we see that, that John knew the high priest. John, John uh, was, uh, was, a, was a Jewish man at the time, and he knew the high priest. He had a relationship with people in the high priest's home. 
And uh, John knew them, and, and so he was kind of let in with Jesus, and Peter wasn't let in, and, and John came back, and John's like, hey, that's, you know, it's Peter, he can come in, and Peter, so Peter's like, okay, I'll come in. So Peter comes in, so now we have John is in the, the, in the house being on this pretrial with Jesus, who's being asked questions about his doctrine and his, and, and, and his life and all these different things, and then you have John and Peter that are there. John is up close because everybody knows that he's with Jesus. He knows the high priest. So everybody knows John is with Jesus. And then Peter kind of sits in the back and, and he's, and it says that he, he followed him at a distance and he sits in the back. And there's two positions that Peter puts himself in that I want to focus on today. There's two positions in this story that Peter puts himself in that I want to talk about. And the first, uh, the first thing is in John 18 verse 18. It says, now the servants and officers who made a fire of coals stood there, for it was cold, and they warmed themselves. And Peter stood with them and warmed himself. You see, the first position that Peter puts himself in is, is uh, position number one, is Peter is warming himself by a fire next to the ones that are going to be shouting, crucify Jesus. He is next to the officers who helped arrest Jesus. So, so literally, Peter comes in, and John, John says, Peter, come on in, you know, John's with Jesus, and Peter's hanging out in the back, and, and I can only imagine what, what the high priest's house looks like. I'm using my uh, biblical creativity and knowledge to, to figure this out. I know that the high priest's office was bought all the time by the highest bidder, and it kept changing it back and forth and back and forth. So I'm assuming he was a rich man, and, and it says that he was at the high priest's house. So I can imagine that this house was a big house, and I can imagine, you know, if there's a fire going on somewhere, and Peter was in, so maybe there's like a porch somewhere in the back, you know, with a, with a what do they call the, the thing, with the thing, like the clay thing that has the fire. What's that called? Chimenea, thank you. Carlos, get it? Chimenea, I'm just assuming, man, this is cool, they have chimeneas back then. You know, they had a chimenea or something going on, you know, with the clay, because it's, you know, biblical time, so everything was made out of clay and stuff. So, uh, so they had a chimenea going, and everybody's, you know, around the fire in the back porch, and Jesus is up talking to the high priest on the couch or something up front, I don't know. Uh, but, like, something's going on. And they're talking, and, and, and Peter's back here in the house, and he's warming himself by a fire. And, and what is going on around that fire? Around that fire is actually officers that helped arrest Jesus. And there's, a, there's, another, there's a girl there that was relative, if you read the, this story is told a couple different ways in uh, John and also in Luke, where, where there's a relative of uh, one of the officers that, that um, Peter actually cut his ear off is sitting around that fire too. There's a little girl that's a relative of the, maybe a cousin or something, I don't know. Uh, and so, I mean, he's around this fire. Jesus is being interrogated by people about his, about his doctrine and what he's doing and how he's a blasphemer and all these different things. And, and John is up there with him because John brought him in and walked in with him and John's up there with him. And Peter is sitting in the back and he's hanging out around this fire with a bunch of people that were helped to use to arrest Jesus so you have people that were used to arrest Jesus around this fire, and you have a guy who literally went and cut one of their ear off a, a few hours ago, I would imagine. I, I, mean, I mean, so a, a few hours ago, or maybe a day ago or so, or whatever, Peter comes and, and swings and cuts that. I mean, he's so precise. Peter's so precise. He knew exactly what he was doing with that sword. He was a, he was a great fisherman. So, I mean, I'm sure he was awesome with a sword. And he, and he cut his ear off, right? He's like, I'm going to take your ear off. Don't touch my God. That's my Jesus. And you're not going to hear out of that right ear anymore, right? No, that's not what Peter was doing. 
Peter was actually going to probably cut his head off. And he missed because he's a fisherman, right? I mean, so I mean, I mean, Peter was going to cut this guy, decapitate this guy, and 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 nicked his ear. And I mean, so this there's he's sitting around a fire with a bunch of people that I'm sure knew, man, are you the guy? You're the guy that cut off my friend's ear. You know what I'm saying? Like, meet me at the flagpole. You know, uh, you know, I mean, like, you know, we're at the fire, man. Let's do this right now. No, I don't know. I mean, they're they're sitting around this fire. And, and stuff is happening, and, and, and Peter is, so, is, is away around a fire with a bunch of people that helped arrest his God, his Jesus, that he spent three years of his life with, Jesus that, is, that, is healed, that has restored his life, that has transformed his life, that he has been with for three years, ministering with, bringing uh, healing and, and deliverance to people all over Galilee, he, and, and you're standing outside a fire around a bunch of people, that are against your Jesus. You're, you're hanging out on, around a fire with a bunch of people that are going to shout crucify the next day. You're around a fire with a bunch of people and your, your God is actually on trial in the, in, you know, right up front in the other room and you're sitting back around this fire. You see, my thought here is Peter decides to go to a fire that he would have normally found him, would not have normally found himself next to. Peter decides to go to a fire that he would have normally never found himself next to. I mean, have you ever been in that situation in your life? Where you were around a fire, that you were in a situation where you never thought you'd be? Where you were with people that you never thought you'd associate with? You grew up in church, right? You grew up in church, you're not supposed to hang out with those people. You were a little toddler and your parents bringing you to children's church, and 15 years later, you're, you're hanging out with a bunch of people, man. You never would have thought that you would have been doing that whenever you were yet that young. You're hanging out with a bunch of people that, that you never would have associated with. You never would have done because you know they don't love God. You're supposed to love God. And yet you're out around a fire trying to bring, get satisfaction and warmth uh, from a place with a bunch of people that, that don't love God. You're around a fire trying to get warmth and satisfaction out of a fire that's never going to satisfy. You see, we know that the only fire that satisfies is the all-consuming fire of Jesus Christ in our life. And, and we can go to other fires to try to find people that we can fit in with. We can go to other fires where we never thought we'd be next to to get, to get warmth and, and, and satisfaction, but it's never going to satisfy I could tell you story after story in my life about fires that I've been around that I shouldn't have been around. And I'm not going to because I'm the pastor now, one of the pastors, and you don't want to hear those stories. And I don't want to tell them. But you see, we've all been there. We've all been there in our life where we've been someplace we didn't think we, we would ever be. He tries to find satisfaction and warmth in a lesser fire. The only fire that brings what we need and, and sustains us is the fire of God. So that's my first position that I want to talk to you about was Peter and, and how he, he, he found his, himself in a place he never thought he would be. The second position I want to talk about is this. Position number two is Peter's following distance. Peter's following distance. Now, do we have any uh, people that drive? A few of us? Okay. All right, now, before GPS, before GPS, before iPhones and Androids, um, before, before all those things, we, uh, we know that 
that you had, whenever you had to get somewhere, and you were in a, like, what do they call it when people follow each other? A convoy? Is that what they call it? Caravan? Caravan. I'm thinking, now I got the Smoking the Bandit song in my head, but I'm not going to do it. All right, but, but uh, people are following each other, and, and our, there's two types of followers out there whenever you're following somebody in a car. Uh, follower number one is the person that is on your tail right? Is anybody, is this, any of you guys, they do not, they're on your butt on the car. They are not letting you go anywhere. If you get in somewhere, there could be a, a, a place where only a mini coupe could fit and you're driving a, you're driving a Hummer, but you're going to get in that spot. You know what I'm saying? Like that person is following you and they're going to, they're going to move in every lane you do. And sometimes the person that's actually being followed will actually go to the left lane for fun and then go to the right lane for fun. And then go to, am I the only one that does that? No. Okay. Um, I mean, they're the people that are right on top of you all the time, and they are just right on your tail. And the second type of follower is the follower that, that says they're going to follow you, but they're going to go at their own speed and their own pace, and, their own, and, they're, you know, and they're not fast drivers. They're, these typically are the people that, that you know, they, they drive five below because they want to see the scenery. You know what I'm saying? They want to take, take it all in. You know, and, uh, and so these people, they'll be following you, but they keep, they keep, you know, inching back, further back and further back, right? And then I know I'm looking in my rear mirror. I'm like, are they still back there? I'm like, are they still back there? Back? I'm like, what's going on back there? I, still, I can barely see them. And then, and they're like, I, I see them. They're all the way up there. It's no problem. And I mean, they're just, they're, they're the slow one. They're, the, they're like, we'll get there, guys. Don't worry about it. And you've, you've been in the passenger of that car and you're like, they're gone. We're not going to find them. We're not going to get to the, we're not going to get to Six Flags because we're out in, on 109 and there's supposed to be a turn that we have to take somewhere and I don't know where it's at. And, and you're like, you're going crazy because you, you've lost this person because the, your person that was driving was like way back person, right? These are, those are your two types of followers, that, that kind of I want to talk about. So in this story, it says in Luke 22, verse 54, it says, having arrested Jesus, having arrested him, they led him and brought him into the high priest's house. But Peter followed at a distance. Peter followed at a distance. See, in my opinion, Peter followed at a distance. He, he followed um, it says, if you continue to read this story in John 18, we're going to keep going. So he followed at a distance. In John 18, it says, now Simon Peter stood and warned himself. Therefore, they said to him, you are not also one of his disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. So, so Peter started to follow at a distance. This is the guy, again, that I talked about earlier. He loved Jesus. He raised his hand. He loved Jesus. He, he, he cut off somebody's ear for Jesus. He was going to decapitate somebody because he didn't want his God to be arrested. He... he Loved God, but yet he started following a distance. And as we continue to read the story, he continues to get back and further back and further back until we can't see him anymore, until that person is finally and far enough away. They're like, hopefully we get there. And we'll talk about that in a minute. So Peter's following from a distance. And I think he followed from a distance. Uh, he followed far enough away for there to be enough doubt that maybe he's with Jesus. He followed far enough away that people began to question, well, that can't be the Peter that almost cut off that guy's ear. That can't be the Peter that almost decapitated that guy because the Peter that decapitated, wanted to kill that guy for Jesus would have been, he'd be in there with Jesus. He'd be up with John. 
If that really is Peter, the Peter that loves God, the Peter that actually went out and healed the sick and cast out evil spirits and, and did things for Christ because God gave, because Jesus empowered him to do so, if that really was that Peter, then he'd be up there with Jesus right now. He'd be arguing about the doctrine and the life of Jesus right now. He'd be up there with John in that moment. He would be there. So there was, he was far enough back. He followed at a distance far enough back that there was doubt. Well, maybe he's not with Jesus. Maybe, And then people began to question him. You're, you're not. You're the, if you were, you'd be up. Wait a second. And they're questioning his, his position of love for God in this moment. They're questioning him. Where, does he really love Jesus? Does he really uh, believe what he says? Is he that person? Because if he was, he'd be up there. He'd be up there if he was that person. So Peter was following far enough away for there to be enough doubt that maybe he isn't the Peter that was with Jesus. And we go along in the story as Peter continues to deny, and he continues to deny, no, I'm not that person, because he's around a fire. Now he's around, he's around that fire with those people that they don't love Jesus. So he's around a fire with people that don't love Jesus. We talk about all this away. He's far enough away. There's that doubt. Everybody's asking him, are you that guy? Are you that guy? Are you that? No, I'm not that guy. That's not me. That's not me. That's not me. I'm not, I'm not with him. I'm not a Christian. I'm not a Christ. I don't love him. I'm, just, I'm back here. I'm back here. And there's, there's that doubt. There's that disconnect. And then what happens that third time? In Luke 22, verse 61, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word of the Lord. That third time, Peter denied Jesus. He's, he's followed at a distance. He's kept himself away from, the, from what's going on. He's kept himself away from this pre-trial that's going on in front of him. He, he's far back. He's hanging out with those guys. He's on that fire. He's being asked if he's a follower of Jesus because they're questioning. They're doubting whether he is or is, is he isn't. And he denies. He said, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. And Jesus turned and looked at Peter. What can I say from this? The thought is this. Peter was following close enough to be called a follower, but far enough away not to be indicted over his following. See, Peter was close enough to, for the Lord to recognize him and to point, a, point at him and say, and, and to look at Peter whenever all this is happening. He's close enough for Jesus to look at him and, 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 and be like, are you serious? You know? I mean, I, I can just imagine as a youth pastor, you know, when I got 15 teenagers sitting on the back row, at a distance, you know what I'm saying? You see what's going on here? At a distance, you know, and I'm like, are you serious, guys? Don't you love Jesus? Get up here. Get up here, guys. Don't you love Jesus? You love Jesus? I know you love Jesus. Grace and I know you love Jesus. Oh, man, he's, I am going to hear about this later. He doesn't like this one bit. He doesn't like this. So I'm going to push it. I'm going to push it. I mean, I, you tell me I don't love Jesus. You know, what is, man, get you up. Get up here. You know, I mean, you know, get off your phone. Stop playing your, your, uh, your uh, what's the game that you guys are playing? Clash of Clans, right? Get over here, right? Yeah, don't clap for that. <laughs> but I mean, guys, it's, it's, like, it's like, you know, Jesus recognizes him. He's like, are you serious, man? He looks at him and he's, and he's you know, and, and Peter's at a distance and, and he's far enough away. He's, he's following close enough to be called a follower, but far enough away not to be indicted over his following. You see, the question is, are we like Peter? as a church, as Christ followers, and we, in our position of love for God, we're talking about loving strong, loving God strong, loving people strong. What, 
what, what position are we putting ourselves in? Are we far enough away that people question whether or not we're really a Christian? Do, do, we, do we say we're a Christian? We say we're a Christ follower. Do we go to church? But yet we're far enough away not to be associated with those people. Not, to, not that people are like, that, that people, you know, maybe your, your workplace, they know you go to church, but, but you don't act like it. You know, maybe they see you in the, in the break room saying something you shouldn't say. And they're like, well, maybe, maybe he doesn't really love God. Maybe he's one of those fake Christians. You know what I'm saying? You know, what is going on in our position of our love for Christ that that we are, are we like Peter in this moment? Are Are we like Peter? And then the next thing is, Jesus turned and looked at Peter. He, he, he's, he's away from, he's away from Jesus. He's away from what's going on up front. He's back in this crowd and he denies Jesus three times and Jesus turns and looks at him. And if I'm Peter in that moment, and I'm, and I'm relating this to you guys as Christ followers, as, as, as churchgoers, good church-going folk. I've, I just said it. I said church-going folk. Wow, it's getting southern in here. Um, I mean, as good church-going people, do, do, we, do we think what we're doing is enough to get Jesus' attention? And is getting Jesus' attention enough? See, Peter got Jesus' attention. He was close enough to get Jesus' attention when he denied him, him three times. So he, he denies Jesus three times, and Jesus turns and looks. He gets his attention, right? He's pulled back. He's following from a distance, and he gets Jesus' attention. But is getting Jesus' attention enough? And, and, and let's, talk about, let's talk about heaven and hell for a minute. Why not? Let's go there, right? We're talking about, we're talking about an eternity with God. Loving God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our might. Eternity with God. He's called us to do these things. He said the same spirit that, that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. Greater things than I'm going to do that you're going to do. And he, he puts this huge mantle on us. But we follow at a distance and we just get noticed by him. And he looks at us. Is that enough? Is Jesus looking at you from a distance enough? And, you know, you know, I, I'm trying to be church politically correct. But I, I'm just not going to say anything. No. <laughs> Is it enough, right? Is it enough? Is, is our life, what we're doing in our life enough? To, is getting Jesus' attention enough? Or do we need to be that crazy Christian, that person that loves Jesus with everything they have? And the people know, man, that's that person that loves God. That's that person that is doing that. And Peter's pulled back. He's pulled back in this moment, and, and he's denied Christ three times, and he's, he's in depression, and all those things happen, and, and, he, and he, he weeps, and he puts his head down. And, and now we start talking about grace, right? Is, is it enough? Is it enough just to hold back? And is it enough just to do these things? And now let's start talking about grace. Well, Peter was covered by the grace of God and was actually used in the next book of the Bible in Acts to actually be filled with the Holy Spirit and transformed and changed. And, and thousands of people came to know Christ because of a man that denied Jesus three days earlier, right? Or, or denied Jesus three times, days earlier. I mean, and, and so, so restoration is possible. Grace is possible. But I, I want you to know, I don't want to be in a position where I'm thinking to myself, is this enough? Am I doing enough? Am I doing enough? Is this, am I good enough right now? Is this, I, I want to be in a position 
where I love Jesus with everything I have, with everything within my being, that, that I love him, and that I can, I can do everything I have out of that position to where I don't have to worry, I don't have to question, and am I doing enough? I don't, have to, I don't have to be stuck around a fire with a bunch of people that don't love Jesus. I don't have to worry about being in that position. You know, God loves you guys so much. I mean, Pastor Brad talked about it last week that he gave his one and only son that whoever believe in him shall not perish but receive everlasting life. And I have a, a son, and, and I talked to him about him already. But I can, I mean, anybody, if you have a son, if you have a son, just, just you know, raise your hand real quick. People got sons. We had a few people that got sons. Now, if we had, if we had to crucify somebody, Okay, Josiah, what are you laughing for? Okay, I really don't even know where I'm going right now, but we're going to see. We're going to find out, right? <laughs> if you had to crucify somebody, okay, and, and, and it's between Daniel and Carter, right? Adam, you're, you're like, you got to send somebody, and Daniel and Carter, uh, you know, one of them's got to be crucified. I'm fighting that Daniel gets crucified, right? Daniel, you, you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take Adam out to get Daniel crucified because my son's not going to get crucified. I love my, and, and, and I can only imagine Adam looks like he's going to fight dirty. You know what I'm saying? So my only reaction is to fight dirtier, you know? Um, but I mean, like, but why am I talking about this, guys? Because what's going on is, is Jesus loved you so much. I'm not, nobody's, my son's not going to get crucified. It's not going to happen. I would, I would fight for that. I would, I would not ever let that happen. But yet, a God who loves you, a God who loves you so much that sent his only one and only son to, to die on a cross for you, that is a picture of love. That is a picture of love. That is a picture of something that I want to follow, something that I want to be next to, something that I want to fight for. I want to follow a God close enough that I don't have to worry about what's happening around me. I don't have to worry about being the doubt that I'm a Christ follower. So I just want everybody to stand up, and I want to close in prayer tonight. As we, uh, I just want you guys to be in position today. Today, I do that all the time when I preach because I'm used to preaching at night. So preaching at night's a lot better <laughs> because it's nighttime. I'm sleeping usually around this time. Oh, wait, it's noon. I'm usually up. Nap time. Nap time. But, uh, but I want to I pray today about our position in Christ, our position of love that we have for Christ. I want to pray that, that everybody in this place will, be, will love Christ as a position that is right up on him, that, that crazy Christians in this place that love God with all their heart, with all their soul, with all their might, that are not following at a distance. So Heavenly Father, we just come to you today. And I thank you for this opportunity. I thank you for the, the people in this place today. I thank you for this amazing group of Christ followers. And I thank you that as we talked about earlier, as I said, who loves Jesus? And everybody raised their hand. I thank you that we have a group of people here that want to say they love Jesus. But I pray right now that this group of people will be people that follow and love Jesus with a passion and a fervor. I pray that there will be a, this, there will be a group of people in this place today that rise up with the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. And that they do the same things and even greater things that Jesus did so that nobody can doubt whether or not they're a 
Christ follower. Nobody can doubt whether or not that they are, they are, they are following Christ, that these are going to be people that don't go around a fire to, to get away and a fire around people that they, they never thought they'd be around, but they'll be around a fire and they transform those people in the name of Jesus, that these are world changers and transform, trans, transformation agents in this place today. I thank you. For, for, for a congregation, a group of people that are going to run after you with everything they have and love you with all their heart, with all their soul, and with all their might. I thank you. I thank you for your love, your one and only love, that whoever believes in you shall not perish but receive everlasting life. I thank you for the love that you have for us, Jesus. God, I thank you, Jesus.